Hello, my bitches. More than four years behind bars. That's how long a popular Roosevelt Row restaurant owner will be going to prison, and it all boiled down to a judge's decision in federal court. The I-team's Erica Stapleton has been following this case for almost two years, and Erica, there's a lot to dig through here. But since this is the dinner hour and there are kids at home, we do want to let our viewers know that there is some explicit language in this report, right? Yeah, guys, that's right. As you can see, the name of this restaurant really stands out. And while this case was unfolding in federal court, the restaurant has been making moves. Breakfast Bitch is now here on 3rd Street in Roosevelt in downtown Phoenix. But now everything's going to change. No idea. Tracy Hetzona knew she'd be causing a stir with her concept breakfast bitch. Looking good, bitch. Twin restaurants in San Diego and Phoenix. All bitches are welcome. But now she's stirred the pot in a totally different way and will start a 51-month prison sentence after a felony conviction. Our cameras were there when she was arrested in February 2021 outside her Phoenix location. And in July 2022, Hatsona took a plea deal for wire fraud, admitting in federal court that she stole more than a million dollars from actress Jumana Kidd, NBA star Jason Kidd's ex-wife. Court records say Hutsona was working as an assistant for Jumana Kid between 2015 and 2019 when she stole the money to fund her own luxury lifestyle. Opening up a credit card in someone else's name. She stole money from the kid's college funds. Jumana's credit was ruined. Julie Schwartz with private investigation firm TNM worked on this case. And Tracy presents as a wonderful person. She's attractive and knows how to walk the walk, talk the talk. And if Jumana may have done a little bit of research, she would have seen Chase's past. It's not the first time Hatsona's been in hot water. In 2008, records show Hatsona was convicted in a fraud scheme and was sentenced to six years in federal prison. The U.S. Attorney's Office pointed that out ahead of the sentencing in this current case, calling her, quote, a serial fraudster. Hatsona's side asked for leniency from the judge, indicating that she employs more than 100 people at her restaurants and that a lengthy prison sentence could put the business at risk. 14 other people wrote the judge on her behalf, including friends, family members, and restaurant colleagues. Hatsona even penned a letter to the judge herself, saying she feels remorse for what happened with Jumana Kid and that the restaurants have been her redemption. In the end, the judge ordered more than four years in federal prison, which is more than the prosecution requested. I did connect with Tracy Hutsona just hours after her sentencing in New York City this afternoon. She said it's too soon to talk about it. She does need a few days to process this, but we hope to hear from her soon. More on that. She was also ordered to pay restitution in this case. For now, we're live in Phoenix tonight. Erica Stapleton, 12 News. Erica. Hello, everybody. So my voice is really deep tonight because I have a man cold. So please, please just uh, be aware. I'll live, maybe. All right. She might actually have the, the restitution money with her her restaurants. Possibly she'll have to declare bankruptcy, sell off her assets. That's probably more than likely what's going to happen in this case. The breakfast bitch. Very interesting name for a restaurant, don't you think? I was thinking about the low-down, dirty, juicy chicken hoe for myself. Uh, maybe that could be my new career. Chicken Really hot, hot chicken, but cheap. Dirty chicken hole. Just the thought of a new career here as I'm cruising the one ads. 
you know, there was a one ad for a, and I'm not joking, this is true, there's a one ad for a radio host for All Things Considered for NPR. I don't like NPR, but for the right salary, I'd love them. I checked it out. It was surprisingly low. I'm like, wow. All right, so. I'd like to thank our executive producers. Our executive producers are, and I'm, my mind's not working correctly. I'm not sure if I thanked these people last time or not, but regardless, we're going to go over tonight. You know, I sound a whole lot worse than I feel. Uh, anyway, executive producers is Lady Lisa, Lady Sandy, and Lady Kayla. Ladies, thank you very much. If you're interested in being an executive producer, you can do it this way. There's a, uh, you can send a cash app, uh, anything, $20 or more, or you can send a super sticker, or you can send a super thanks after the show if you're watching it later. That's if you appreciate the show, you get something from the show. We do hours and hours a week you spend with us. Hours a week. If you go down to watch a movie, how much does that cost? About $40? I mean, I'm not saying send me $40. I'm saying this is a concept of value for value. All the money we get. We put it into the radio station, maintaining our license and the running of the radio station. We've already paid our, we've, all the money went to the license fee so far. We're up and running. Check that out at midnightrad.io. We have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, nothing but the hits radio station. Matter of fact, I don't want to get this wrong. I will show you right here. We have, we have a DJ doing a set after the show. sure i got his times right uh, here we go i'll show you that right here the generation x radio show with dj johnny vincent the time is saturday tonight from 10 o'clock to midnight eastern standard time or 9 to 11 p.m central standard time he'll be on tonight what kind of music does johnny have he has classic rock alternative grunge hip-hop r&b and as he's playing the hits in between sets he has some of the craziest true crime stories you've ever heard in your life that is dj johnny vincent everybody talking about true crime other than breakfast bitching which technically would be true crime I'll tell you about something that happened to you something that happened to me the other day we talked about we talked about the pictures that were sent to me, and I had these pictures for two months or three months. It's been it'd been a while, and I didn't show them. And then it was played online, and uh, I very first of all, I want to thank Boss Maca. Uh, he put a message in the chat. I did make it clear when I aired the the footage of the video of the crime scene. And supposedly, the pictures were from Idaho Four. That's the way they were presented online. I'm not going to say who did it. Uh, a lot of you guys watched it. Anyway, he said he did his due diligence in the floor, and the pictures are not the same as the pictures that were shown. Uh, they're not the same as the ones from the Idaho 4. And the way that you would have looked at that is when the Idaho 4, uh, 4 story first came up, I got some documents about the building of the house, about the renovation, because we were doing... This story, this part of it kind of makes me mad. 
uh, because we were doing a debunk, a deep debunk of if that was actually blood that was running down the side, if that was gore, and because people said it was heater oil. Well, there wasn't a, a heater that used oil in that house, especially after the renovation. It did not exist. It didn't happen. I had trolls coming on here, calling me a liar, saying that I was wrong, even though I actually checked it and investigated it. Guys, if I don't know what I'm talking about, I'll let you know, which is half the time, right? Anyway, and it's later, there's pictures of the house, and it still has the blood running down the, so, the outside of it. Okay, that's real. That has been double verified after it's, the, the fences have gone up and nobody can go in. Regardless, that's how you'd find out what kind of floors were in it. Plus, there was pictures of them in the house. So, again, it wasn't true. But I took it deeper than that, and uh, I'd like to thank one of our viewers here. As a matter of fact, let me put it on the main cam of me. I'm going to call her out. Uh, guys, if you have information, after we do a show, you guys can uh, say, give me information. Um, I'm open to hear it, all right? Uh, so I'm looking at our comment section right here. Uh, C-H-U-F-F, Cuff, she said, these photos were on Van Life Adventures six days ago, and she said she got them from her aunt from another murder somewhere and was just using them as clickbait. Guys, I don't do clickbait. don't like it. Um, but this is what keyed me into where this really came from because I know I'd seen them before other than they were in my inbox for a very long time. It's uh, as Skyly Ramy said, the color, the lighter color floor crime scene photos, I believe are from the only fans model murder when she murdered her boyfriend, allegedly. And I thought, holy moly, guacamole. That's where I've seen him before. You dirty. Hold on a second. I got the footage right here. These dirty butts who did this, I swear. How, how many of you guys are tired of clickbaits as relating to uh, the Idaho 4? All right, here we go. Let me play this video for you guys. Just let me apologize. No! Okay, you don't need to... Right now, toxic tapes. We're hearing recordings made by the man who was stabbed to death by his own girlfriend. Before he was killed, Christian Albumselli documented a series of violent arguments with his OnlyFans girlfriend, who has since been charged with his murder. Local Times' Rosh Lowe is live with the just-released evidence. Rosh. Tonight we have these recordings, which are very disturbing, and I want to warn you, the crime scene photos are very disturbing as well. This is Courtney Clenny after prosecutors say she killed her boyfriend, Christian Obamselli. She's left with only one fake fingernail, blood on her hands, blood all over the apartment. These are the crime scene photos, one by one showing the carnage. The defense maintains she was a victim of domestic violence. Pictures of her hands taken to see if there were any defensive wounds. And now additional new evidence. Obamselli was recording Clenny in the months leading up to his death on his phone. Take a listen. But you hit me. Shut the up. 
and listen to this racial expletive. Once again, the defense saying this was self-defense. Prosecutors arguing otherwise. They say this death was not an accident or done in really self-defense. Came from. And from now we are getting a closer look at the scene where Christian Obamselli lost his life. Obamselli was stabbed in the chest, and at the end of the day, the jury will have to decide in this case whether this was self-defense or second-degree murder. We're live in Miami. I'm Rosh Lowe, Local 10 News. Developing now a stabbing... So this is wrong on so many levels. It's wrong because it's wrong because it's disrespecting two sets of victims. Uh, first and foremost, this man that was stabbed by his girlfriend. That was a horrible story. And also the Idaho Four, who had their lives taken in a very similar way but not similar by someone they didn't really know. Somebody the ladies perhaps didn't care to know. And then we have people who damn well know where those pictures came from, showing it and saying that it came from the Idaho 4. Well, that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, you, if, if we come up with something like that here, again, this, this uh, shows a conversation with you. You guys... You know, let me know behind the scenes what you want to talk about. You send me emails, midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. You call in the phone number, 325-261-0892, and you let me know what you want to talk about. That's what we talk about. We talk about these things. I show the pictures you show me, and we put a pin in it, and we get more information later. We'll debunk it. Or when it comes to the part of the trial, when we look at it and say, wow, that was so wrong, that person was so right, and you'll see... You know, internet content creators are still floating like nothing ever happened. The best thing they can do is never mention it again like it didn't exist. But that's what we do here. That's what the show's about. So beware. You know, everything you see on the internet is not real, ladies and gentlemen. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. All right. But I'll tell you what is real. My love for Ashley Banfield. What? What? All right, I got I got a, I got an Ashley Banfield clip. If I can play it, come on, Ashley. Ashley wants center stage here. Ashley. Ashley. It started to Rick roll me like Rick Ashley. Here we go. It is Friday Night Theories. You're familiar with it by now, I'm sure. And boy, are we lucky because a young graphic designer in Las Vegas... What? Friday Night Theories, Ashley. That sounds a lot like Wild Ass Theories, doesn't it? Oh, that's just so wrong. Vegas has put together an incredible 3D graphic animation of what she believes happened at that home at 1122 King Road. Um, she goes by Van Life Adventures... In I had to say something. I couldn't scream out. It's your girl, Ashley. Ah. An open mind perspective on her YouTube channel. And she partnered with another designer called Asget Industries. And they put together this um, animation using the probable cause affidavit, police press reports, uh, police reports and uh, police press conference. All right. So the pictures that we saw were supposedly from Van Life, right? 
So, so are these 3D models from Van Life? Perspective on her YouTube channel, and she partnered with another designer called Asget Industries, and they put together this um, animation using the probable cause affidavit, police press reports, uh, police reports, and uh, police press conferences. So again, I have to just give the disclaimer: these are all allegations. Brian Koberger is only alleged to have committed these crimes. But well, this isn't an allegation. This is a real deal, guys. I'd appreciate it if you'd hit the subscribe button if you're watching this and you haven't yet. And I would really, the best part of that is you can hit the bell and click all notifications. That is your radio. That is our way to communicate. The show is a conversation with you. That's why it's important. I was talking earlier about value for value, and I was telling you how that system works and how that system keeps the show on and how that keeps the radio going. By the way, the radio station that we have is for you guys is from you guys we play the stuff that you guys said you wanted to play wanted played on your radio station so if you're not listening then tell me what you want to hear that's what we're what's going on there and um again value for value is a two-way street i have value from you guys i'm here to have a conversation with you that's why i do it i don't care if i'm sick i don't care what is going on i read these articles i have a burning passion to talk to somebody about it and that is why I show up every day, or the days I show up, more than most. And that's why we're here. Uh, let's continue this. But in her theory, uh, she calls him, you know, the how he carried out the crimes. But it is an allegation. But with that said, I want you to take a look at just a remarkable uh, series of events. Take a look. Brian Kohlberger, the suspect, is believed to have entered the neighborhood at 3.29 a.m. Approaching the house, he noticed the lights are on. This hinders his plan, and he now has to rethink things. He continues on to the back where he sees even more lights on. From the affidavit, we know he drove by the house three times in less than five minutes, probably trying to figure out what to do next. He finally decides to leave the area for a little while and observes the lights are on one last time in front as he drives off. Cameras show him leaving the neighborhood and exiting on Walenta Drive in this direction. It's uncertain which way he went from this point here, but we know that he's seen here at this location at 3.45 a.m., caught on a gas station security camera. Wondering if this could truly be a 2015 Elantra, I downloaded a known image of one with a similar angle of view. I then entered that into a 3D modeling software and added some lighting and then tilted the camera to get a similar angle. I then animated the image to be traveling at 40 miles per hour, giving motion blur, which ended with this result. Though not scientific, we can see very close similarities that this is a 2015 Elantra. All right, hold on a second, guys. I want to be clear about this. about who did the videos. These photos were on Van Life Adventure six days ago, and she said she got them from her aunt from another murder somewhere and was just using them. I don't know if Van Life Adventures are the same people as the uh, the video we're show, uh, looking at from Ashley Banfield with 3D modeling. Um, I don't know if it was somebody else that did that on Van Life's website or not. I do know that I did play a Van Life Adventures 
a 3D rec- uh, recreation of the house um, about a month ago. And that's about as long as she's been a creator. Van Life put out a video of how she was on selling another person's work. I find it fine. Uh, I don't watch uh, True when I see some kind of outrageous, dumb conspiracies they post. So I told you YouTube is not to recommend the channel. Again, I'm, I'm not sure who actually did it. Uh, but let's continue here. Uh Come on, Ashley. Back to the map. We see the suspect re-enters the neighborhood at 4.04 a.m. He drives up to the house and slows down. Looking at the windows, he sees the lights are now off. Continuing to the back, he checks to see if those lights are off. They are. He's excited. He knows everyone is finally in bed but he wants to check the front one last time. As he drives down, he's filled with adrenaline, seeing the lights are all off. His brain short circuits for a second as he clumsily tries to turn around in front of the house. It fails, but he regains composure and drives on. He's caught on camera making a three-point turn at the end of the street to return back to the residence. He does his final drive to the back of the house. In the beginning, most of us believed the two surviving roommates, Bethany and Dylan, were sleeping on the first floor. Since then, we've learned Dylan was sleeping here on the second floor, along with Zanna and Ethan located here. Kaylee and Madison were located here on the third floor. The dog was located on the third floor and the room by itself. Let's move around and see through the walls into the kitchen to the back slider and take a look at the time frames. At 4.04 a.m., the suspect can be seen trying to park his car. At 4.09, approximately five minutes later, he enters the house through the back slider. At 4.18, he leaves the house after committing the crimes. At 4.20, he's caught on camera driving away at a high rate of speed. All of this only took nine minutes. Let's watch what that looks like. The suspect enters through the back sliding door. He pauses at the stairs to look around to make sure no one's up. He then turns and goes upstairs. The first bedroom he... All right, guys. I mean, the audience told me that they sent me an email about what... uh, What Van Life had to say about the, the photo. So I'll play that after this. He stops at and opens the door. He sees no one there. He continues to the next bedroom. Here we know what happens. Downstairs, Dylan is sleeping. The noise from upstairs wakes her up. She thinks it's Kaylee playing with her dog. She gets up and goes to the door and looks out. She sees nothing there. The suspect then continues down the stairs about three minutes later. He then heads to Zana's room. Outside, there's a security camera picking up some whimpering, cries in the thud at 4.17. We've learned that Xana was found on the floor, which might explain the thud. Dylan again hears something and looks outside her door. She sees the suspect. He walks right past her and leaves. 
I want to bring Brian Enton back in. Brian, Brian. you stood out in front of that house Brian. for all those days and nights. It is a whole other perspective to see a 3D modeling and an animation. It almost gave perspective I didn't have, despite the amount of reading I've done on this case. Yeah, I will say having been outside the house, the, the artwork, the design is very, very impressive. Even the slope of the driveway, I was watching it and envisioning it in my head. They did a very, very good job uh, with the artwork. The only thing I will say, I mean, it's obviously just a theory. I, I went through the video. I counted more than a dozen things that I don't know oh, we have proof of. Give yourself an uh, out. A lot of it's from the probable cause, but I think, you know, connecting some of the pieces and some of the timeline that we just don't know, obviously she, you know, filled in some of the gaps um, and it is just a theory, but in terms of the design, um, it, it is very impressive. Pretty impressive. Like you said, it is a theory and it's Friday Night Theories. Brian Enton, thank you for that. Thank you for watching. See, I feel, I feel robbed. I feel like she's taken away a part of what I do. I use, um, we use WAS, WATs, and, but that's my whole show. But she's just like saying it's, a, oh, well, you know, we all, like she always had this theory Friday. So she can, she's free to, maybe should have had Xana's mother on a Theory Friday, and then she would have been okay. I don't know. I don't know. She can do her, that's fine. All right, I got this. Someone just sent it to me. Oh, really? All right, let me, let me grab this video real quick. Please bear with me, people. Boom. All right. Dang, this is a 30-minute video, Grant. I don't know how I'm going to find this one particular thing she says, but we'll try. Dang. Research shows nostalgia can help you remember ads. All right. After these commercial messages... All right, all right. Let's see. Let's see if we can do this here. All right. So News Nation is gonna go live. Ow! I need to turn like her voice down in my ears. Live with the Kohlberger 3D model. Um, I gave them permission for my end, and here we go. Let's start here All first. All right, Grant, how far <laughs> in do we have to go? Um, so that they know that I'm okay with it. And, and then I also made sure that they got in contact with, um, unfortunately, I don't know her, like, her full name, um, but I know her name. I just... Isn't. I'm sorry. Uh, someone said she's totally riding on Dre's coattails. Isn't this Friday Night Theories of Banfield's plagiarism? No, she, she if she had wild ass theories, yeah, that would be plagiarism. You guys make me laugh. I don't get why they paid Zena's mom to come on and lie. That does look like. Don't know if she wants it out there, and um, we'll find out tonight. <laughs> so, um, I hope she doesn't embarrass me in any way. Because Cranky, you're saying she rambles. I ramble. Come on now. It's all right to ramble. Um, okay, Grant, I need to know how far in we have to go to have her talk about those photos. Because when we um, 
collaborate. Um, it's it's done online only, so I don't you know know her in person at all. But I'm so excited to see that she's all right. going. It's a short van life one. I sent far too many. That's it. She talks about Banfield. Okay. To be this is a featured. thirty minute video. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. I can't believe it though. I don't know. And I learned so much from her. She's really awesome. And so, News Nation, tonight at 7 will be um, It's why it's, you know, made like this. And I'll have to go look at my information again. But here, blow it up. And then, this is a phone. All right. He knows everyone is finally in bed, but he wants to check the front one last time. As he and to the link or just all right guys i'm not going to play this whole thing is this from another podcast this afternoon no yeah if it's too long this is too long i'll put a link in the show notes oh how long's the video it's a three to four minute one this one's 30 but here's the problem in my email Okay, okay, okay. You sent a different one, too. Okay. Three to four minute one would have been awesome. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I need some looking music. Hog hunting with tracers. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. I don't see it. Grant, if you could re, if you can find it. Well, you said vids. Hmm. This is exciting, guys. No, I can't find it. That's all right. Grant, if you could find it, please send that back to me. And because I want to play what she says about that. All right, let's move on with the show here. Now, if you guys have been awake this week, you know that Alex Murdoch was found guilty. Guilty as hell from what I heard. I'll tell you what, I'm going to play this video right here. It's of your girl, Ashley Banfield. And apparently uh, it was real shocking to her what she found on the flip side of this. I'm going to open up the phone lines. If anybody wants to talk about the Murdoch trial, let's go ahead and get it out of our system or forever hold our peace after this video. Probably no real surprise here in terms of the verdict, Ashley, especially after only three hours. But as you watch the emotion uh, from Alex Murdoch as the as the verdict was read, and then you saw his son Buster uh, re react to it as well, what went through your mind? I wasn't so struck by their reaction. I, I think if I were found of a double murder, I'd be kind of stunned. Um, 
But I will say I am shocked at this verdict, Leland. You shocked. might not be because the deliberation was only three hours. But I lived through OJ, whose deliberation was under four hours after nine months of trial. And that was an acquittal. So I, even though I heard this early verdict, I still thought, they could easily have found him not guilty. Uh, it only takes one round around the table, right? That's usually what a jury does when they go back and they yeah. start deliberating for the first time. There's no manual. They're never told exactly what to do, but they kind of figure it out on their own. But it sounds to me like they went one round around the table, probably had a unanimous verdict, and then just kind of went over each person's thoughts about that just to make sure that they were clear. <laughs> but I'm still stunned by this. I, I have to admit, I thought there was plenty of reasonable doubt. And I thought there was good evidence. Don't get me wrong, but I thought there was yeah. a lot of reasonable doubt. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm often reminded of the admonition to never debate a verdict because you just never know what a, a jury... This makes me want to talk about this more. She she feels like there was a lot of reasonable doubt. Here, here's what I feel. I feel... Like Alex Murdoch was convicted because his lawyer sucked. Matter of fact, he sucks and he put, he did everything he could do to get convicted. You don't lie about your damn alibi, all right? Nobody likes to be lied to. You know, you guys believe in the golden rule because I believe it. I believe it. Do I always go by it? I sure try to. And if I don't, you know, I feel it. I, it's a daily thing I'd live by. So to have somebody lie to me or to have somebody waste my time, it makes me upset. And I'm sure uh, there's uh, the preponderance in the jury that voted him guilty in the render of that verdict felt the same way too. The, the lawyers did themselves no favor. Matter of fact, uh, Hal Putin, is that his name? When he interviewed the man who was an associate of Alex and treated him the way he did on the stand uh, just for his client's case, well, he made a jackass of himself, and he just freaking torpedoed his case. So you want to talk about reasonable doubt? Reasonable doubt is a gray fog. It's a gray mist that is in somebody's mind, all right? So was there reasonable doubt? Well, there was plenty of it swirling around their minds until those two jackass mistakes showed up. And then, you know, it kind of cleared the skies a little bit. And it's kind of like, well, walks like a duck, talks like a duck. All of a sudden, I, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling like there was any reasonable doubt. That's what I think happened with this case. We lived through it real time. If you're a member of Midnight Radio, there's a link up above. You can click that and become a member. If you're a midnight, uh, midnight, a midnighter or above, you can join the Discord. We watched it every day together, and we talked about it, and all of our minds were pretty much in sync with the reasonable doubt and the going back and forth. But those two things happened. We're like, uh-huh. We started feeling it. Now, that is not to say that there wasn't reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt exists in the mind of the person who has that question put before them and has the authority to render the verdict or deliver it to the judge in this case, who rendered it. So here we go. 
there were things that seemed questionable, but because they didn't have the physical guns yet, maybe they will later. It's going to go to a pill, and I'm sure there's plenty of room for reasonable doubt and fresh minds. So maybe there's still a chance. So there we go. Midnight caller line, this is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? They must have thought they had the wrong line because they hung up on me. If you want to call that number, it is 325-261-0892. Join the conversation. Everybody's viewpoint is completely welcome. Here we go. Jury's going to do, and they are the end-all, be-all say. Once the jury's deli- de- deliberated and delivered their verdict, that's it. You see the seal of uh, the state of South Carolina. That's the live picture uh, from the courtroom right now. Going back to what Brian talked about, about the, the sort of so many tentacles of this case, you've got mystery, you've got the forensics, you've got the family, you've got the finances, you've got this massive fall from grace uh, of the Murdoch family. Yes, Is this grace. one of these cases that goes down in infamy, almost like OJ, that, that continues to be discussed, that we're going to get even more Netflix specials and Hulu specials and everything else out Hulu. of? You know, it's funny you should ask that. One of the things I was thinking about as I was watching Dick Harputlian throughout this trial was his down-home, southern, folksy manner, right? And I thought, boy, have I ever seen a lot of trials. All right, uh, thank you, chat room. It was Richard Harputlian and Jim Griffin. Those were the two. Richard Harputlian was the lawyer for Alex, and Jim Giffen is... Was Alex's associate lawyer friend? Elsewhere, juries just eat that up. It's their local homeboy, and they love that, and they feel a kinship to that kind of performance. Creighton Waters wasn't that way. He was more a matter of fact. He was kind of brusque, and it makes me wonder if juries are kind of changing. You know, don't feed me a line of you know personality. Just give me the goods, um, because Creighton Water gave a lot goods. of goods, right? The only thing I'm shocked about is that he just didn't leap. He, he had to take a massive leap over the chasm, Leland, of the killing. Why would a guy like this do it, right? Sure, he was there and lied about it and drove fast. He did it because he's a dumbass. Crazy and there was lots of steps and it was a family gun, all that stuff. But again, it was really hard to wrap my head around why a guy who was in love with his wife, even her sister... She's got a dog in the fight. She said so. Loving relationship. Look at the fruit. Don't look at the words. Never had a crossword that anyone could ever suggest with his son or his wife or his family. Why would someone like that just do this? And that's what Creighton Waters did not get oh, over. Skillet. But apparently this jury made the leap just fine. Oh, I got a phone call. What do you... Midnight caller line. This is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? Sandy. Sandy or Cindy. Sandy McPartland. Oh, good to hear from you. What's on your mind? (laughs) Uh, The Murdoch trial. Awesome. I have followed it from the beginning, and I have watched endless podcasts about the background. And I think the jurors are going to be uh, riveted by making the right decision. So you agree with the jurors? Absolutely. What? Yes. Since you, you followed this whole thing, you followed this whole I did. thing. 
So yes, I did. What part um, in the court proceedings did you feel it would have solidified in their mind that this man was guilty? Uh, the uh, the alibi, the kennels, the um, I wondered if the um, visit to Moselle helped in any way to see how small the feed room was. And um, there was a true crime web that uh, did an investigation. He was a forensics expert in the next uh, law enforcement. And he actually did um, uh, demonstrations with guns, with silicone mannequin, silicone blood and mannequins and tried different positions and figured it all out exactly the way it turned out. And um, the Murdochs go way back as drug smugglers. They bought, Moselle was bought for $5. That's true, yes. From, yeah, I mean, they go so far back in the 50s until Reagan came in and, and uh, he, he put a stop on it. But they, they bought these little islands and uh, in the low country of South Carolina that had nothing on them, just little segments of beaches. And um, they, that's how they smuggled drugs. They had a scout for the Coast Guard. They, um, air, they had access to the freeway and no, nobody seeing them. And it was an easy uh, upstate, take them away. Cocaine and marijuana, and and his his, his uh, smuggler friend Bartlow Bootlow uh, died of cancer and signed over power of attorney and sold Moselle to him. But he they had a they had the airplane uh, uh, going into Moselle. I mean, the, the, and because they were solicitors, the cops were in on it. They were getting paid off. It's just incredible. There's the the Murdoch podcast uh, that this lady from South Carolina, Mandy Maiden, has made for three years following the history of Maggie and Paul and and the Murdochs and all the people that were affected by what they had done. They're really cruel stories. So that being said, do you think that the money didn't get snorted up his nose? The money actually went, um, was tied They up were doing loan money. structures on, on, uh, yeah, the money, nah, he, a lot of it, they were distributing. Um, and the, I took Oxycontin after a botched back surgery in, uh, about 2000 when I took 20 milligrams, I'm skinny and little, but I was knocked in and out, like completely. I'd, I'd get up and I'd start studying because I was doing college work, and and then I'd pass out again. I mean, I was. And my mentor said later, Sandy, you were really out of it because <laughs> I would call and talk about Shakespeare or something. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, he did not take all that. There's no way, and I, and it wouldn't make you a killer. He was planning this for a long time because Maggie was about to leave him. There, she had fifty-eight ninety-seven in her Bank of America account. She was really pissed off. She was doing charitable. Her her thing was doing charitable um, banquets, 
and fundraisers, and she gave a $30,000 check to this uh, uh, as a gift, and it bounced. So they were arguing all the time about money, and Paul didn't live there, she didn't live there, and they were lured there that night. So hold on. Both of them. The I'm hearing an echo. Do you have me on but, on your computer or something? No, I'm talking on a landline. It's not very good. Okay. So it did have the the texts from her phone or and, and her son's Paul that they found the drugs that he was on. Like he they found out that he was on drugs. Yeah. So possibly he really was on drugs, but just not to the levels that he says he was with the money. And that actually would be a good way to wash the money in the mind of the people that were looking for it. You're saying, well, I used uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars on drugs. That's where it went. Yeah. Of course, it's illicit and I don't have receipts. But guess what? They, they did not have, he was living large and spending a lot, but they, did, they were not paying their electric bills utility bills, anything, the basic bills, they were broke inside Moselle. Okay, so as a businessman, I, I can know why that would happen. I'm not involved in any illicit things, but uh, you, his money was tied up in business. Yeah. And he can't and, talk about and, that or they'll kill him real fast. Oh, yeah, drug smuggling. Yeah, and there are lots of, lots of uh, really sad stories about the people, the most vulnerable uh, that he was ripping off, and uh, Russell Lafitte went to prison for it because he was a cohort, but of course Murdoch got off because of his father. And um, uh, others, other murders are being reinvestigated, like the housekeeper, Sattler, and uh, her body's being exhumed, and Stephen Smith, the young gay student who... Uh, was found on the roadside. He's being reinvestigated. So I'm but thinking th we we all talked about what the motive of the murder would be, and people were, were saying none of it made sense. He's a good family man, good this, good that. I'm like, oh yeah, no, he wasn't a good family man. And he Maggie wanted a forensic audit. She had requested it from the law firm, and he was going to be exposed by her. She knew a lot. She was going to tell a lot. She was bitter. She was angry. She she had uh, texted somebody, which didn't come out in the trial, that he's up to something fishy. And she was afraid of him. And she had workers at when she left Adisto and left the house unlocked. She, she did not want to go. But uh, her sister encouraged her. And so she went. And, and you know what happened? And Paul didn't live there either. So I'm thinking the motive would have, would have been if he didn't get rid of her and if he didn't get rid of his older son, then he was going to be exposed for drug smuggling. And the trial for Paul's criminal case about the boat accident was in three days. And that was for $30 million, 10 million to the girl that died, Mallory and the rest of the victims. So, um, so that is get. how, that is how uh, he would have been exposed. Cause he does not have access to that money because the money's in play with smuggling right now. Exactly. And in all kinds of loan structures, they were, they were, he was working with Russell Lafitte and the, the guy, the, I don't know if he was the banker, 
but he also got busted. Um, but yeah, they were making all these loans from the trust funds or the or the uh, settlements. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your talking to me about it because it helps. The problem is with these stories, here's what the problem is, especially the Alex Murdoch case. This is something that has lasted for, what, about a year now. And there's so much yeah. information on it. And it's hard in our minds as someone that talks about things like this and uh, someone that walks up and is like, where do I start with this? If How do I get from A to B? If there's all this information, where do I start listening, you know? But you did a right. good job of breaking down the key points to us tonight, I feel. Well, and, and I, well, of course, I think him testifying that the uh, juror was on uh, Good Morning America and said, you know, it, it, there were no tears. He was swelling his face up and, you know, he wasn't he never cried. And, and a couple of jurors said he was theatrical. So the jurors didn't buy that. And they actually decided within 45 minutes. Immediately, seven were guilty or uh, guilty. Uh, two were not guilty, and one was not sure, and so they deliberated. Forty-five minutes. It was very quick. Yeah. Do you yep. think he's, he he deserves it? He yeah. is. He's he's just going to go on in prison and and con his way, uh, you know, at prison. Well, he's not with prisoners. He's not going to have better morals once he's in there. That's for sure. Well, I was, yeah, I was talking to an ex-con, uh, or not talking to him, but listening to him. Um, and he said, he, right now he's in R&E, it's, um, uh, I can't remember what the R is, but it's, uh, for 30 days, he, it's a um, evaluation, and they strip you, they, they shave you bald, they put you in a cell with another person in a toilet, and that's it. And you're shitting in front of everybody and you're, uh, and the whole point is to demean them, demoralize them and, and strip them of any dignity before they go to the correction, um, place. So bend down, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, he has to, they're going to strip him down and make him bend over and spread him. I know. And you know what? He deserves it. This guy has been getting off the hook. This family, his brother Randy was at the trial who didn't speak. He is just as crooked as Alec is. And he's still in the law firm. But he knew about the whole thing. And Buster, they say, is the one... uh, they speculate that he's the one that killed Stephen Smith and his father showed up on the scene at 4 a.m. when it, he must have a police scanner or something, you know, the ambulance chasers. I'm sure. Yeah. But no, I've been, I, I deep dived last night after the trial and, um, went into all the, the murder, podcaster the best one is maddie manden who lives maddie mandy manden who lives in south carolina who's followed their whole history and has visuals of the whole segments of beach they bought where they were doing the drug smuggling and oh no they go way back they're they're hardcore criminals 
I wonder how many of these people are involved in it too within, you know, the firm that he worked at, uh, his personal friends. I don't think too many were. I think his brother was aware. Um, but I think, especially like you just mentioned, when Harput, you know, whatever is Poot, went after that, uh, I think his name was Crosby, the the nice guy that said, don't impugn my my integrity, <laughs> you know, because I, I'm, I wouldn't go there. Um, yeah, he badgered that guy yelling at him, and, and he was a, a good man. And, and they all, his very closest friends, were shocked. I think there's so many other people involved with this, but... Oh, with the drug smuggling and the... Mm-hmm. the yeah. The, the drug yeah, smuggling definitely. and the, the money laundering and... Uh, I don't know if we're even going to hear I don't about think... It. I think we will. I think it's still going to be... They're still investigating, um, at least with Satterfield and Smith, but I think there's more to, more to come about their background and... Um, what the, the, they, they had a hold on the law enforcement for nearly a hundred years and they were able to get away with it. And then, well, not a hundred, but Reagan came in what in the Mm eighties. So that's when, uh, they started, the Coast Guard started stepping it up and caught a lot of them. Yeah. Carter left it open on purpose, I think. I don't know. You didn't I don't hear remember that? that. Oh well, I've got a treat. No. I've got a treat for you, Sandy. I really, really oh, tell do. Tell me about I it. I do. I do. I do. Um, it's one of okay. It's called the Cocaine Cowboys. It's one of the best yeah. put together doc. Have you seen that documentary? No, I will write it down. It is fantastic. I saw it on Netflix. It might still be there, but it's called Cocaine okay. Cowboys. It tells you about. It tells you about drugs in the 80s. And it also, it shows you how the banks are involved too, but it, it's very entertaining. It's well put together. The music is fantastic. It is a documentary Great. Done, done right. One of my favorites. Great. All right. All right. I will watch it. I, I, it's been a fascinating case, but he is such a con man, disgusting, horrible person, and what he did to Maggie and Paul is is outrageous. It, it is. I mean, it, it, I can't even relate at all. It's hard to get into the mind of a, a narcissist. It's hard to get in there because there's only room for one, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what they tried. To, that's what the prosecutor came up with. You know, he loved himself. That and he's involved. In it's like people. Trump. Pardon? Uh, that, and he's involved with some people, and if he got found out, they would get found out, and he would, him and his family would have been dead then. I'm pretty sure he was thinking yeah. about saving his own life, so he took, you know, he might have not wanted to murder his family, but he thought thus, he convinced himself that that's what he needed to do. Exactly, because Maggie was going to expose him. She wanted a divorce. Because he's not a good family man. No, he was horrible. Those kids in one podcast, they're talking about, uh, there was one just on Maggie and Paul. And those kids were 
allowed to call each other motherfuckers as toddlers and all through their life and drink freely all through their lives as young kids and kill animals and do whatever without any any parental you know disagreement basically teaching them they can, there's no rules no rules. They're Murdochs. That's what they were told. You're Murdoch. Don't worry about it. Well, that name yep. is flipped for sure. Uh, yeah. Did you see the picture of, uh, what was his name? The I want to say Buster, his younger son. Buster's the dog, isn't he? No, Bubba's the dog. Bubba's Buster the do- is the older son. That's like... 26-year-old. Why would somebody do that? That's like, my son's name is something in the name and it's so close to the dog's name that's just not right I got, Bubba. A, I got a clip here let me find it real quick of buster's face here it is i know let me bring this up he's got to dye his hair and move out of state poor kid but i think he's just like his father he might have known about it at the very least. I know you have to. All right, hold on. I'm going to bring this up on the full screen for you guys. All right, here we go. And drink freely I'm hearing you talking now. I think you have me playing on your phone. Have the show playing on your phone. I, I just saw. Are they saying that? I have it on, like, no sound, I thought. Well, there you go. You found it? <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing it. I'm watching you live. All right. I know you but I put have the to see Paul and Maggie during the night times when you're attempting to go to sleep. I'm sure they come and visit you. Sure. And every night. Sure. And they will continue to do so. And and reflect on the last time they So the judge told him, I'm sure you see him in he in your sleep and he said all day and every night and then Buster yeah, was right. back there rolling his eyes and shaking his head. Was he? Mm-hmm. I missed that. Yeah. So I'm I'm playing. I missed that. And they will continue to do so. And and reflect on the last time they looked you in the eyes. I'll play that one more time yeah. for everybody. Asleep. I'm sure they come and visit you. I'm sure. And every night. Sure. And they will continue to do so. And, and yep, that was it right there. Okay, wait. He's shaking his head. Well, there you go. Oh. Oh, is my voice on? <laughs> yeah, we're re-hearing what you're watching. It's coming oh, through. I didn't know that. Um, also, the judge called him a liar. Yeah, I saw that part, too. There was part of it that made it, you know. And the sheriff is shaking his head. 
It's the part behind that, him that made him a liar to him. He's like, okay, well, I know that's not true. Yeah. I love Matterly, though, the, the last uh, prosecutor who was pacing back and forth, the old guy who brings up Columbo. <laughs> uh-huh. And he said, I mean, he was good. He was like, uh, it's Bubba and Paul from the grave who, you know, filmed this. I think Paul and I think having that's recorded, beautiful. Paul having recorded Alex, you know, actually being in the kennel when he lied about not being there is yep. a, a big part of what got him convicted. I mean, he wouldn't absolutely had his alibi blown if it wasn't for that. Absolutely. And he, and they didn't crack it until April of 22. He had no idea. He had no idea about it. I don't think. No, he didn't. And the police weren't sure either. And then again, his, one of his major excuses for everything is, uh, I'm on drugs. Yeah. Well, that was, that was it from the beginning. That's what, uh, Harputian Poot said too. He's an addict. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I never got addicted to opioids, and I've suffered extreme chronic back pain for many, many decades. And um, I was very careful with with them because they're they're powerful, and I knew they were addictive. But you, I know people who would uh, take ten at a time just to, to be okay. And I'm sorry, he, you can't, you can't take that much in one day. You, you would not be alive. No, that's, I haven't heard anybody said that. Yeah, you know, definitely I'd be taking that much of it. I could, somebody could do that much. There's not one person I've talked to that said, yeah, that's a reasonable amount of drugs. No, no way. No way. I mean, he was a big guy, but no, absolutely not. No. And I, I had Oxycontin, which I think is morphine. And I was bedridden at the time. And I would, I would doze in and out and the phone would ring and I'd chatter, chatter away. And then I'd pass out again. And then I'd get my girlfriend to take me to the library to get a bunch of books for my college studies and, you know, I'd be reading Shakespeare and calling my professor and telling her about things. And <laughs> and then I'd pass out again. I mean, you can't. He was functioning as a lawyer and doing all these schemes, saying that he was, you know, incapacitated by drugs, that they changed him. Somebody from the chat, and the judge, somebody from the chat room pardon. is saying this. They said the person clipped or cut John Marvin out of the TikTok video. John Marvin says something to Buster at that very exact moment. That's probably why Buster made that expression. Well, that's possible. No kidding. Yeah, maybe made a bad joke at the wrong time. Well, wow. Sandy, I, really, I wondered if Buster believed him. I think Buster knows what the truth is. I, you do? Okay. I think he does. Good to hear. Uh, somebody, Good to hear. The person that sent me that clip says that they think Buster knows what the truth is, and they think that he just wants the money from it. Yeah. And that's a good possibility. Yep. Thank yeah. you for calling. I need There's to move money. On. There's money offshore. You know there is. There's plenty of money for Buster. And uh, and um. That is a good question about Buster's money. If he's John Marvin is is the personal representative. He'll figure it out. 
He's the one. Everything's in Maggie's name. I'm thinking it was a family so business. So I'll let you go, please. You, you've you got too many people to talk to. All right. You, you have but a... love your show, Jerry. You're doing a great job. I hope you feel better. I hate colds worse than I can handle spine pain, but colds, nah. Hey, if you think it's bad being a woman, you should be a man with a cold. It is the worst. You just don't well, take it Well, yeah. Right. You know what you do? <laughs> you get airborne, airborne. It's at CVS in the seltzer tablets natural mineral vitamins cleans it up quicker hey, i'll try i'll try anything at this point yeah really go get airborne i think i think my main okay. problem is sleep with this because i try to go sleep exactly and my five-year-old wakes me up so i can't sleep so oh five precious yeah he decided to make jello on the floor last night <laughs> be tolerant because boy i'm telling you suddenly my grandson is 11 and uh it's my my daughter's 12th wedding anniversary today they're going to an alien convention and um it's kind of a fun scientific educational thing mm -hmm. but they got free tickets so that's what they're all doing with him and i went oh ooh, boys I had five girls. I just got one. I don't. I can't imagine if he was twins. That would be horrible. I don't know what kind of things they were would be getting into. <laughs> but you learn so much from them. They're so pure. I don't learn a whole lot from him. He, because, you know, he took that. He took the Jello powder and he he had it all over the floor. And he opened up the fridge and it was all over the fridge. And I asked him, I'm like, what? Why? Why did you do this? What were you thinking? And he's like. I don't know. I'm, I'm little and I don't know a lot of things. I'm like, but why did you do this? And then I looked and he he was pouring it into my coleslaw. I'm like, okay. Experimental. He'll be a scientist. I ate it. I mean, my, I still ate it. It was better that way. But <laughs> my my daughter. Last story. When she was a toddler, I had one daughter who went into the bathroom in the days when there was those stick on Kotex uh -huh. and and she thought oh look at this she pulled them and she had like as far as she could reach they were all stuck on the bathroom wall and my girlfriend and I were hysterical oh yeah it's like yeah that's what you do and I could go on and on about the weird things he's done matter yep. of fact it's okay, wonderful I'll, though I'll tell you one more story because this is funny so uh, I had a picture Mrs. Midnight did a set, I think it was the day before yesterday, uh, and she did a set, and I I was doing her advertisement for it on our community page, and I put the picture on there. As I was I was working with the, the picture for that, he came in there, and he's like, who's that? I go, that's your, he, go, he goes, who is that? Is that DJ Electra? I go, no, that's your mama. He goes, that's DJ Electra. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've never shown him a picture. Was he right? Was he right? No, it was it was uh, Mrs. Midnight, but she did. Oh. She was wearing glasses, and she had her hair back, and she looked like DJ Electra in that picture. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Wow. You've, you've never seen a picture of DJ Electra. He did hear wow. about her. Wow. We had a meeting, a DJ meeting last night or something, and he was, or the night before, I don't know. He was talking to him on there because he was sitting next to Mrs. Midnight. And uh, he was saying something like, hello, what's your name? And he tells him his full name. And they said, well, what is your social, too? He goes, 
I don't know what my social is. I'm not even a mod. <laughs> he's smart. I know. He's he's probably listening to the show right now. He listens to the show and uh, tells me about it. I, like I said, I try to go to sleep. He wakes me up in my room. He's like, I'm here because I want to join the conversation. Oh, I love it. Because he hears me on the radio saying, you know, join the conversation and uh, subscribe. So, yeah. He's a... <laughs> Oh, you're so lucky. Just enjoy it because Zoom, they get to, uh, I mean, everybody says that you're going to, they're going to be out of the, in their peers and not into parents anymore in short time. It really is. I can't believe it. My kids are in their forties now. Yeah. When he gets older anymore, he won't want to make me jello or have conversations with me at any time. So I love it. All right. Thank you. For Nothing calling. better. I appreciate it. You have a good night. I love your show, and I you're, I think you're wonderful. Thank you very much. You have a good night. You're very welcome. Sincerely. That was Sandy, everybody. You know, I like it when you guys are in the chat room, and I see your name a lot. And uh, I think my son might have a crush on Electra. I don't know. But uh, I see your names a lot, and I don't get to hear your, your voices. So I like to put the voices with your names. So I appreciate that. Yeah, even my son is complaining about not being a mod, not having mods in here. What's the deal with that? And what would happen? I thought, well, what would happen if I did make him a mod? So I'm going to continue this video right here. I have other stories to cover, too, that you guys don't know about, new stories. And if you guys still want to call and talk about Murdaugh, um, the phone number is 325-261-0892. Make of all of the crimes he admitted to, the millions of dollars in theft, uh, the lying to his friends, to his family, to his law partners. Uh, the Although behind the scenes as a producer, of course I don't produce Ashley's show, but uh, you have to have two different opposing views, you know, on something like this. So if you'll notice the way I set up, he's talking anti-Murdaugh, and Ashley, whether she believes it or not, she's pro-Murdaugh. You see it? So it's a balance in the show whether, you know, I think that's what's happening here. The addiction to drugs and, and everything else. Brian talked a little bit about uh, trying to redeem the family name in some way by being found not guilty if, if he could have been found not guilty of these murders. But once you've admitted to that, once you've admitted to, to taking advantage of this community that you had such huge power in, uh, we're waiting just so you understand this is the where the defense and prosecutors will walk out to if they're going to address the media. So if they speak, we'll obviously bring it to you as it happens. But uh, All right, I'll stop that right here. Okay. Let me see what I got from in my email. Okay. Oh, thank goodness. All right. Oh, no. Grant. Grant, are you listening? Grant, paging Grant. Paging Mr. Grant. So I went to the video you sent me about van life, and it's been pulled down, so it doesn't exist anymore. Unfortunate. All right, let me see this. All right. All right. I still got more stuff. 
Yeah, they took that video down where she was talking about the crime scene photo. I don't think it's, I don't know. I'm not blaming her. I don't know what the story is. About. All right, Sheriff Grady Judd, one of your favorite people that arrests crazy uh, Florida people because we know just about everybody from Florida is crazy. Changed my mind. His history because she is so passionate about trying to stop this from occurring to any other mother's child. The victim's John McGee. He's 33 years of age. Now, he is an adult by every sense of the word, but he's still his mama's baby. He's still her child. She admits readily that he has misbehaved throughout life and that he has conducted himself in a manner that she does not approve of. And she's told him that. He's known as Bang Bang. That should give you an idea of who our victim is. And he's a known gang member. I want you to understand that he was released from prison on October the 8th. October the 8th, he was released from prison where he did four or five years. He's a troublemaker, make no mistake about it, but he shouldn't have died. But on December the 17th, December the 17th, just more than two months after he was released from prison, he was shot in the back. He was shot. He was on Pirate's Way, and that's in Secret Cove off of Skyview, and here's what we know, when he was originally shot, went to the hospital, he was expected to recover. We started the investigation. And as the investigation went on, 24 days later, he died in the hospital. Now, some of you may say, well, what kind of hospital care was that? They were giving him the best hospital care. But as he started to get better, he refused to take the medicine that they said he had to have in order for his body to heal. Now, during this what? period of time, we're talking with him because we're trying to determine who shot him. He would not cooperate. What little bit he said, he lied to us, and he lied to us. And then he refused to take his medicine. So we're up at the hospital now, not only as detectives, but trying to say, hey, dude, you've got to take your medicine. He was going to get well and go back and seek revenge on his own against this other opposing gang member. That's right. What we believe is he wanted to take care of it himself. He didn't want that gang member locked up. Because if he was locked up, he couldn't get to him. So he begins to decline over this 24 days. And the sicker he Why got... Why would he take the drugs in? The more he refused the medicine, Why? the more we talked to him, he took to his death the person that shot him. Oh. But, but he shouldn't have been shot. Why was he shot? Well, it was an Opposing gang member, I call it 
uh, a testosterone overload. He was mean mugging. He was bad eyeing the other gang members. And as a result, the event occurred. Well, who shot him? Interestingly enough, I'm going to spend a few minutes on this because this illustrates the problem. This is Ladarian Chandler. Ladarian is 19 years of age. I'm not playing the whole thing. He's a self-proclaimed rapper. And he shot John McGee in the back as he ran away. And then he made a rap video about it. That's the thing. Now, first off, come on, man. Come on, man. You shoot someone else in the back? What kind of coward is that? But that's exactly what he did. So before I go further, other than to tell you there was an argument in the street, he shot him in the back. Let me tell you about Ladarian Chandler. He was on juvenile probation even though he was 19 years old. What? What? He previously had seven felony arrests, five misdemeanor arrests. I wonder what his rap sounds Everything like. Everything from resisting to theft to vehicle theft. Guys, could you help me out and hit the like button? I would appreciate it right now. And if you're watching and you haven't subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. I've got some guests booked. They're coming on right now where it's heavy towards the end of the month. But I'm telling you, I don't. you don't want to miss it. You really don't, regardless of what you think about me. If you've got nothing to lose, it's free. Subscribe. Hit that little bell so you don't miss anything. And you can actually join in the conversation. I'm telling you. You're not going to want to miss the shows we have come to, coming up. Just warning you, or don't believe me, go ahead and miss it and find out what you miss later. That's fine. It was just a mess. But here's a picture of him. I want you to see this picture. I want you to see it, too. This is when he was 18 he years snitched. of age. And this was after he was released from a high-risk facility where he spent one year in jail. But let's go back. When was his first arrest? When he was 11. Then he was arrested when he was 13, 14, this 15, sounds like a family and 15, problem. and 17. The Department of Juvenile Justice, who... I often say has a difficult time telling a child the difference in a child committing childish acts that are criminal and a hardcore criminal as a juvenile. This was a hardcore criminal as a juvenile, but to DJJ's credit, they had him in detention, incarcerated on three different occasions. The first time for one month, that didn't do any good. The second time for two months, that didn't do any good. The third time for 12 months, that didn't do any good. This photograph was taken within a day or two or a week after he was released from his third stint in lockup. He never learned. Not only that, 32 days later, after this photo, that's when he shot 
John McGee. 32 days later. Did I mention that this bad-looking dude, and he was bad and mean in the streets when he had a gun? Because he would point it, he would threaten, he would shoot. This is only the times we know about. We don't know about the drive-bys and the shootings that never got reported to us, because a lot of times they don't talk. Most times they don't talk. We don't know about all of those times, but what we know is despite the juvenile justice system effort to the contrary, this is what he looked like the week after he was released, and 32 lit days later, he shoots John McGee, who subsequently dies. Now, let me give you some background. We're doing our investigation. We find out that he has made this rap video. I gotta tell you what, he's not much of a rapper. My rapper expert tells me he doesn't sing well, he doesn't move well, you know, he's just a terrible rapper. But he's a stupid rapper because, you know, he not only makes him a rap video about shooting somebody, he admits shooting the guy in the back. I'm a coward rapper, that's what I am. If you don't believe me, watch me shoot the guy in the back. What, what, what is that all about? I got lots of stuff I could talk about that. But, yeah. Who's the rapper expert? You know, I, my rapper expert is some of my detective, one of my detectives who loves rap music and he's into it and he self-proclaimed, kind of like the rapper, that this was one of the worst rappers he's ever listened to in his entire life. So we investigate further and nobody in the neighborhood knows anything. You go out, you go to. All right, guys, I'm going to end that story right there. But yeah, this is Sheriff Grady Judd. Again, I. I was just joking. I don't think everybody from Florida is crazy. I lived there for a few years, but I do know some of you guys are crazy. Some of you guys. Maybe the transplants that moved to Florida, maybe those are the crazy ones. But you got to admit, there's a lot of crazy stories that come out of Florida. There's a lot of crazy things that happen here in Texas too, but it's always Germany or Florida, right? Up, uh, talking about crazy things happening in Florida. Check out this story. Three people are in the hospital after a home invasion in Florida. A child and two adults shot in what deputies are now calling a targeted attack. Right now, all three victims are in critical condition. And Brittany Mueller with our Tampa affiliate has more on what investigators say led up to the shooting. Three victims, including a six-year-old girl, are all in critical condition tonight in what deputies are calling a targeted attack. Now deputies are searching for those suspects. Lake Paget neighbors woke up to the sound of gunshots early Friday morning. My neighbor down the street closer to the uh, shooting said he heard bang, bang, 
about 5 o'clock in the morning. Pasco County deputies say a 60-year-old man arrived at the home on Sierra Road before 5 a.m. and found four suspects outside. They shot the man in the head. Sheriff Chris Nako says the suspects then went inside looking and screaming for the main resident who wasn't home. The suspects entered a bedroom and shot a 38-year-old woman and her 6-year-old daughter, then left the area. How evil must you be? that you're shooting innocent people in their bed while they're sleeping, and to shoot a six-year-old, that six-year-old has nothing to do with anything. The sheriff believes the shooting stems from a fight at an adult establishment in Tampa last week that led to a road rage incident involving the child's father. Investigators say the actual target of this morning's attack arrived after deputies got to the home. Those people need to be taken off the street because if they're willing to do that to them, what other acts of violence are they going to do out there? As deputies search for the suspects, neighbors are on edge. Bringing crime into our neighborhood is just scary. It's, you're just not safe anywhere anymore. All three victims are recovering in the hospital from their injuries and critical condition. The Pasco County Sheriff's Office is asking the local community here for any tips or surveillance video to help them identify and find the suspects. Reporting from Pasco County, I'm Brittany Muller. Nicole? Thank you for watching. Go to... So we're going to keep up with that story, and I will let you know once they catch who it was. This, this guys, this is a horrible story. And I know some of you guys watch the Eagle Nests, because you guys do it in our Discord a little bit. Two men shot and killed a bald eagle with plans to eat it. They face criminal charges in Nebraska. Uh, here's a video. Let me, let me remove this for you. Yep, these kind of bald eagles that you look at the nests. Well, they shot them. Here we go. Two men are facing criminal charges after authorities said they entered private property in Nebraska and shot a North American bald eagle with the intent to eat it. The two men were both 20, were cited for misdemeanor, misdemeanor unlawful possession of the eagle. The sheriff office reported both men live in Norfolk, 113 miles northwest of Omaha and 83 miles of Sioux City. About 4 p.m., deputies responded to a report of a vehicle in a field northwest of the Wood Duck Recreation Area. Their deputies found the two men and learned that they had shot and killed the bird. Federal protection for bald eagles. You guys know about that, don't you? They've been protected since 1940. So how's it just a misdemeanor? Wait, under the Eagle Protection Act, wounding or killing an eagle can result in a fine of $100,000 and one year in prison for a first offense. Now, the sheriff said that the men were originally from Honduras who do not speak English. They told deputies they had shot a vulture. The, the deputies had to use a a uh, translation app to communicate with them. The deputy asked to see the bird. The men complied and opened the trunk of the car, revealing an air rifle, a BB pistol, and a dead North American bald eagle. The sheriff said the men told him that they intended to take home, cook it, and eat it. It was unclear if the two men knew killing the eagle violated federal law. He also said it was 
possible that the translation app they used incorrectly stated vulture in their communication with deputies. Nebraska Game and Parks responded to the scene, took custody of the eagle, and the rifle used to kill the eagle. And additional federal charges are possible as the investigation continues, but there's no report that there is going to be one right now. All right, so there's a few stories that I see patterns of, and I see it happening a lot, and I'm not documenting this other than, you know, talking about it on a weekly basis. So this is like a mental highlight for you guys. Remember, I'm telling you about men losing their jobs, killing their families. It's happening a lot. I believe it's going to happen a lot more. I believe this is a sign of the true economy here in America, um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I don't play one on YouTube, but I'm telling you this is a pattern. I lost my job. Uh, so um, my family is safe, by the way. Don't worry about that. I would never hurt my family. But this is happening a lot. It's going to get worse. I'm going to keep showing you stories of people doing these horrible things. So you know that they're real, that they're out there. I got another story. It's not just men, by the way. I have a, on the website, I have an article called Mothers That Murder or Murdering Mothers and also Females Who Rape. Um, it is possible for mothers to murder. It's possible for female rapists. These aren't just school teachers. These are things with crazy stories you've never heard before that just makes you say, What? These kind of things happen. Yes, I'm letting you know they happen. Nobody's safe anywhere. Don't trust people with your families. And it could happen at any time. Find ways to protect yourself. Sheriff, mom shot family minutes before deputies arrived to evict them from foreclosed Ohio Township home. How many of us used to live in Ohio? Investigators believe Teresa Kane shot her family members, killing three of them just minutes before deputies arrived to the scene to serve them with eviction papers as they were removed from their foreclosed home. Very sad. Uh, where did this happen at? Ohio Township. That's not the name of a township. The eviction was the culmination of a long history of financial problems for the family that appears to be the motive of the murder-suicide that left a total of four relatives dead in a fifth fighting for her life. It is tragic and unnecessary. What can we do to keep this from happening again? Well, I'm not, I'm just not that sure that we can. When people are in crisis, it's not as easy as just reaching out and saying, I need help. They are spiraling Nothing makes sense. What we see here, you can't make sense of. Murder is a senseless thing, but then you know, then you throw in suicide and the homicide of your family. It's all very sad. This lady had been totally cooperative the entire time. When deputies pulled up to the home in Rebel Ridge Road in Ohio Township around 9.40 a.m. Monday, Teresa Kane was standing on the patio. Nice house. Deputies expected no issues. They checked with the 
with her before Monday and ensure all would go smoothly. She had been cooperative. She indicated that she still had a few things to pack. She requested and received a few extra hours, but agreed that the family would be ready to vacate the premises by 10 a.m. Monday. Teresa Kane had assured the sheriff's office the family had a place to go. But as soon as she saw them pulling up, she quickly went inside the house, the sheriff said. A deputy knocked on the front and then back doors. No one answered. The deputy stepped inside the home and called out to her, announcing the sheriff's office had arrived. He heard a muffled, no, 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 there he said, followed by a very fast succession of gunfire. She fired five gunshots in just under 3.5 seconds, ones they now believe were meant to kill, they now believe were meant to keep deputies away, and then turned the gun on herself. When deputies were able to safely venture further into the house, they found her dead upstairs along with her 13-year-old son, Ethan Kane, her 74-year-old father, William Felton, who lived with him. Her daughter, Samantha Kane, 20, was critically hurt and remains in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Deputies found Teresa Kane's husband, Stephen, 50, on a downstairs sofa couch. The sheriff said their investigation determined she gunned her husband down first. All the victims were awake when they were killed, likely aware of what was happening and shot just minutes before deputies arrived. Nothing in the house was packed, leading deputies to believe Teresa Kane hid the eviction from her family right up until the very end. You would think he said there would be resources for someone like them, but I think she kept this a very close secret. Hopefully Samantha recovers and can help fill in some blanks. A relative indicated Thursday she is in a coma, but doctors have given her a good chance of surviving. The detectives covered, they recovered a 38 caliber revolver they believe Teresa used to kill her husband first. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives was now tracing the weapon to see who owned it. Freedom Mortgage Corporation of Indiana foreclosed on the family's home in May of 2022. They lived on the three-acre property since moving there from Connecticut nearly eight years ago. Stephen and Teresa Kane purchased a two-story, three-bedroom home built in 1990 for $212,000 in July of 2015. The mortgage company bought it back at a sheriff's sale last year and then hired a crew to remove the family's belongings from the property Monday. Deputies routinely assisted these scenes to keep the peace and make sure all goes smoothly, according to the sheriff's office. Yeah, mortgage companies love it when someone can't pay for their mortgage. They bought it for two hundred and twelve. What do you I bet this mortgage company in the sheriff's cell bought it for what five thousand, twenty thousand, fifty thousand dollars. In hell, if you looked at how much this family actually paid for this house, you'll see how mortgage is oftentimes a ripoff. It's a ripoff con game. Matter of fact, you'll notice if you investigate these stories and you know, I often do and have seen that, you know, a lot of rich people, take Murdoch, for example, they don't pay for houses. They don't pay for property. They have it given to them or they legally wrangle when they have a family member dies and they make sure they take possession of that. They often do not pay a full price for property. 
like poor people like us have to. And you enter a cycle of bullcrap. So there you go. I got a couple more stories for you guys. Just a couple more. What do you guys think about these kind of cases? Alabama father charged with reckless murder after two-year-old son left in backseat of car dies. Do you think... I mean, I've left a soda on top of my car or something and driven away and thought, damn, that sucks. I used to smoke about 20 years ago now, I guess. And I remember, you know, getting into the car, putting a cigarette in my mouth, putting my cigarettes on top of the car, going in, driving off. Like, son of a gun. So I understand a little bit about absent-mindedness around the car and doing your daily routine. But how do you leave a kid in the car? Are any of these legitimate? Well, Alabama father charged with reckless murder after two-year-old son left in backseat of car dies. For several hours on Monday, he was 51. He had gone to a local daycare around 4.30 to pick up his son, but staff told him the boy was never dropped off that morning. Police department said in a news release. He then discovered his son still in the backseat of his car and rushed him to a hospital where the child was pronounced dead. It's a very terrible tragedy. His community is shocked. Investigators said that he had worked the whole day at his restaurant in the community downtown while the child remained inside the car, the station reported. Temperatures were around 80 degrees on Monday. An official cause of death for the child is pending. The results of another autopsy. His bond set at $500,000. Now, Maybe this will answer my questions because according to the nonprofit child safety organization, Kids in Cars, safety on average of 39 children die each year in a hot car-related death in the United States. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said there has been more than 900 deaths since 1998, and the majority happened because someone forgets a child in a car. Somebody says... It was never a problem. When I was growing up, we were all home with our moms. Our parents made sacrifices to make that possible. Somebody said on the days when a family of four could have a house, a car, and go on yearly vacations and live comfortably off one parent's salary. My parents did it with us four kids. We had everything we wanted, and I don't think my dad ever made more than 80000 a year in his entire 30 years career as a construction worker. Only problem I had is when my, uh, I was getting slapped across the chest when my mom had to stop quickly. Grew up in an area before seatbelt laws. Even as an adult, I had to be careful when I rode with her because it was an ingrained response for women in the 50s and 60s. That's true. My, my grandma would slap me in the chest that same way when she wanted to stop. Whether you had a seatbelt or not. Now there's been a law passed that any car made after 2021, I believe, has to have a warning bell that, to check your back seat. So, man, horrible tragedy. I got this story about a cold case that's been solved. This is our final story, and I'll let you guys go.
old case homicide has been solved in El Dorado County. Authorities tested DNA from a rape kit in Washington State and connected it to the case of Patricia Carnahan, who was found strangled at a South Lake Tahoe campground in 1979. They ran that finding through the FBI database, which led them to 63-year-old Harold Carpenter in Spokane. He's now awaiting extradition back to El Dorado County. The district attorney's office says this is the 13th case solved by the county's cold case unit. See if there's a little bit more information about this. They compared and confirmed the family's DNA to the victim. The body was released to them for proper burial. Very, very, very sad. A lot of cold cases being solved for DNA lately. I like to report those as it happens. A lot of these cases are horribly, horrible and sad. I think it's important we talk about them, though. I really do, especially if you have children. A lot of us have five-year-olds for some reason here. So let's just know what's going on. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in again, but I have to tell you about Johnny Vincent. DJ Johnny Vincent has a show coming up. We do have a radio station. You guys can check it out at midnightrad.io. You can check that out. We have some really good music on there, 24 hours a day. It'll be a long time before you hear the same song twice, I'll tell you that. And we have live DJs. You heard Electra on the live show. On the pre-show, well, John is going live. He will be live, live, live. Let me tell you the time. It's a Generation X show. Most of you guys are Generation X somewhere thereabouts. He's going to do it tonight from 10 a.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time or 9 to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. So you guys are going to want to check that out. That is Generation X Radio Show. DJ Johnny Vincent, everybody. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in once again. I will I will take Sunday off and I'll be back Monday with some new stories for you guys. Some new information. If you were interested in becoming a member, you can click on join. And if you're a midnight or above, you can join our Discord. For those of you that were given gift memberships, there's not been one person that has joined our Discord for me. Again, if you're interested in uh, joining our Discord, there's a lot more to offer you there. Email me, midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. And put the subject Discord and say, I want to be in Discord. I'll send you a link. And uh, once you click that link, send me a friend request, and I will make sure you have the proper rights and and, uh, permissions that you need to see everything in Discord. All right, this goes to the Midnight Riders. I'm going to put a a community post up after this so we can vote on what time you guys want the Riders Workshop. And we're going to have that soon, and we're going to get our next assignment after that. 
So thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time, good night and God bless. All my best. And remember, if you're if you are working during the day and you want to hear some good music, you want to hear some classic rock, you want to hear country, you want to hear some of the top songs for the past 50 years. 